Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica. I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, we see just what's behind the looking glass as we unleash Nullzilla. Oh, Nullzilla. How are you doing this week, Jess? <laughs> Feeling a little under the weather, but I'm here. I'm podcasting. <laughs> Can't keep you down. <laughs> How about you? How are you doing? I'm all right. Nothing too much to speak of. Just here and ready to talk about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Let's get into it then. Okay. So this week we're doing Season 2, Episode 7, Nullzilla. First aired on December 27th, 1995. It was written by and story by Susan Turner. So this is a solo one. Yeah, it's a short credits list this time. (laughs) Yeah, no more... No more writer's room here for this episode. We start off, uh, Mainframe has a slug problem. I think we need to get some salt up in here. Oh, then they get all melty and gross. <laughs> this little bugger is making his way downtown, Lost Angles, with some other nulls. Uh, and they look up on Hex's lair, uh, which we get to see inside. Hex gleefully gloating over the fact that she can create a portal to the supercomputer. Yeah, it seems like uh, Mike and Hex are just hanging out together like old pals, and they're watching Reboot. They've got, like, the opening sequence right on their screen there. <laughs> well, old pals might be a bit of a stretch. The entire time that Mike is here, he looks terrified. Yeah, he's a little shook. Is, is he not allowed to leave? I'm kind of getting that feeling from them. She mentions, that, like, uh, how easy it was to find the supercomputer. If only Megabyte knew how easy it is to find... Turns out it's right in the opening sequence of the show, so... <laughs> well, Megamite may have the brains, and I'm not actually sure that's true. <laughs> Hex has the power, and that is definitely true. So she tells Mike that she's bored. She's like, dance for me, puppets. And he starts displaying an old Bride of Frankenbino movie before switching over to an opera. <laughs> For some reason, Fright of Frank and Gnome does not star Air Doctor and Bunnyfoot. Yeah, I wondered. <laughs> I, I kind of like was glancing towards the feet there for a second. <laughs> but the uh, the opera he switches to actually looked like a cartoon sequence before it zoomed in. Like there was such a complete visual art shift. It really was. I honestly thought it was supposed to be Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> then the uh, so the opera singer, complete with pigtails and horned helmet, belts out a high note that shatters Scuzzy and Hex's magic mirror. We get to see where before was the supercomputer and the net. There is now creepy weird tentacles reaching out of the glass and grabbing a screaming Hex. Oh my god, and she was recovering so well. (laughs) I mean, well for Hex, but yes. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of like back to being disturbing again, like from the last time we saw Hex and now she's screaming in terror again. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely, we, we start off on a dark and serious note. It's not where it ends up, but... <laughs> well, we cut over to Hack and Slash, and we finally get to spend some time with Hack's new voice actor. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? Well, you know what? Their back and forth actually seemed really slow, like not nearly as rapid fire as we're accustomed to. He needs a little bit more practice to get into the flow. I don't know. I think, I think we just pretend in universe that they haven't had their coffee yet. <laughs> well, you see, they've already completed phases one and two. Coffee might be phase four. <laughs> yeah, so, so Megabyte tells them to start phase three and uh 
Phase three it is then! Uh, what is phase three again, Hack? That would be reading Nibbles a bedtime story and putting him to bed. Oh, okay. I don't remember that one. Last I knew, Thanos was collecting the Infinity Stones and the Avengers were fighting with each other. It's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a giant purple-esque uh, villain in this one, but <laughs> not quite the uh, the right phase three here. We, we find out that Hack and Slash are babysitters. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> so they Nibbles, the uh, Megabyte's pet, is uh, in a crib. And uh, they got to read a bedtime story and uh, Slash gets bitten. <laughs> this is an interesting turn of events that we've seen. We haven't seen Nibbles in a while, so it's interesting that there's so much riding on his <laughs> on his care. <laughs> on his routine. Yes. So we go from that to Dot, who is apparently microwaving nulls. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a welder's mask on as she watches them scream in horror. Oh my god, everyone's in this lab. Like, Bob and Fong are running different experiments, trying different approaches. Andrea's asking Enzo for exposition. I do not understand, Enzo. Nulls are horrible. Why are your friends trying to help them? <laughs> and we get to learn. And now, we knew this because I told you this, but I, I think this is the first time we learn in series that nulls used to be sprites. Andrea's still kind of grating on me. She's like, is this a cute voice? Do you think this is cute? What's going on, Enzo? I still think she's adorable, but we'll just agree to disagree there. <laughs> I just hope she grows up soon. So Fong and Bob explain that they have a theory that using a game's save state, they can restore the nulls to their former sprite forms. And Andrea doesn't quite get it, so she needs Enzo to kidify it for her. They haven't had any luck yet actually restoring any of these nulls? No, it's just a theory. Just a theory. So instead, they're just going to poke them with electricity until something happens. <laughs> they got all these different, like, cattle prods and, like, other things they're trying. It's like, oh, that doesn't work. Try something new. Uh, which, actually, we can cut straight from Null screaming over to Hex screaming as she's attacked by more tentacles. And she gets infected with the alien symbiote. She does. She straight up becomes Venom. <laughs> <laughs> it latches onto her skin, turning it black. Uh, and you can see all the nulls in the area, even the ones that aren't in the layer with her, perk up and immediately know what's going on. There's a weird, like, I have a couple issues with timing in this episode, and this was one of them. Because, like, I think part of it is due to the nature of, like, her masks being immobile. But, like, there's an extended shot of the spider web thing just kind of floating in front of her face. Then, like, she's just standing there with her mouth agape. Yeah, that was really weird. And I... I, I think it was the same thing, is that they were keeping that one mask on her, so it felt really stagnant. You're like, all right, either do something or act more. <laughs> but yeah, so all the nulls are freaking out and start shrieking at a frequency that only Andrea and Frisket can hear. Are they implying that she's a dog? I mean, it would make sense because she's basically Scrappy-Doo at this point for me. All right, enough of the Andrea slamming. <laughs> Bob has to pull out his scanner to even figure out what's going on. The signal is coming from Los Angles. Megabyte. Hexadecimal, Bob. What? Right, hexadecimal. Did I say megabyte? So, meanwhile, Nibbles decides to go out for a walk unsupervised, and Hack and Slash at first are they kind of cool with it, until they realize that they'll probably be in pretty deep shit if he gets lost. And we get to see not only Nibbles, but hordes of gnolls are heading over to Hex's lair in Lost Angles. Hex is now sporting the full black latex suit. Uh, Mike and Scuzzy are backing away slowly. They've been making a big deal about how every knoll is a person, or at least used to be. So, like, I keep waiting for there to be some kind of reveal for what Nibbles actually is. Like, it might be, like, I don't know, Dot and Enzo's dad or something. <laughs> Can't wait for the dark reveal. 
Well, the gnolls in the lab are going nuts, and Dot decides that if we release them, the team will follow. And Bob starts handing out zip boards, and Andrea wants to join, but uh, Bob and Fong are like, nope, sorry. Yeah, she's the new Enzo. You know, you stay behind. You'll be better off, you know, helping Fong. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, no, out of the two children, I, I would take the one with, like, paralyzing spines and a crossbow on her arm. <laughs> well, she's like, yeah, like, I mean, I did hear the stuff before anybody else. They're like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And we also learn in this scene that she still thinks Enzo's a guardian. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, his catfishing is still going on. <laughs> Not one of the adults have, have shut that down yet. Not one has been like, oh, okay, so Enzo, you gotta tell her the truth now. <laughs> so the Nulls have now reached Hexadecimal from all over Mainframe, and they start enveloping her and becoming this amorphous, colorful blob while Mike narrates. Outside, Hack and Slash land, and they go into Kama... Kama... Stealth mode. Slash laments that he hates LA. <laughs> I like that their stealth mode pretty much means tie-dye, which I guess is them trying to blend in with the nulls. It could be. <laughs> they run into a fleeing Mike and Scuzzy uh, and ask if they've seen a null around. Mike says it's their lucky day. Yeah, they decide to waste some screen time defining what a joke is. Joke, noun, a thing said or done to cause laughter. Something not in earnest or ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, Mike runs out of there screaming about Nullzilla. So we see Bob and Dot and Enzo following along on zip boards as they scoot along after their escaped lab rats uh, over into Los Angles. And they see Hack and Slash headed their way with Mike and Scully sitting on their backs. This whole team up that we never expected to happen. <laughs> right. And so they fill them in on the following. One, we lost Nibbles. And two, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is on the loose. I really enjoyed Mike's little, like, news report here. It was actually really fun. <laughs> he explains the whole situation about how Hex's mirror broke, something attacked her. The Nulls covered her completely, forming the monster this reporter has named Nullzilla. And so they decide that rather than deal with the giant monster, they're just going to pay Fong a visit instead. <laughs> and uh, he explains that the Nulls are basically forming a giant shell around Hex to isolate her from the rest of Mainframe. Now... The Nulls will drain her energy eventually, but Hex has nigh infinite energy, so it's going to be a while. And they can't, they need a better solution than just waiting around. Because in the meantime, the city could be destroyed by her trying to get out of there. So it's time to take action, and luckily Fong has a bunker prepared for this exact situation. Like, literally, this very exact situation. You're prepared for a giant monster made entirely of Nulls stomping around mainframe? That is correct. Talk about doomsday prepping. He even has uniforms already made up for them. <laughs> and this is the place where the episode takes a turn. <laughs> <laughs> it does. If you thought it was going one way, no, it, it didn't go that way at all. We go into the inner sanctum and there's a big old portrait of just this jolly happy fong on the wall. <laughs> In this wood paneled room with lava lamps and a beanbag chair. <laughs> Oh, man. So everyone gets all done up in these insect Power Ranger outfits, which are necessary to control their vehicles. Which includes an outfit for Mike. So when Fong was planning this, he wanted Mike to be involved. <laughs> At least we know now what Fong was doing in all his spare time. <laughs> Coming up with his own Super Sentai. So he's a gnat. Look at me! I'm a gnat! What's a gnat? Which <laughs> reminded me of my question from painted windows because how would they know what a sun is how would they know what a gnat is where is fawn getting this information <laughs> this is cycling back to our our deeper questions about the theories behind mainframe who are these people that live in our computers 
Yeah. Enzo is a grasshopper, Bob's a beetle, and Dot is a ladybird. And also Frisket. Frisket gets an outfit. Does he? He just looks like he donned some shades. <laughs> he doesn't quite get the outfit that he should have, considering the car that he gets later in the episode. But he does have a little antenna on him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Bafong sends them off, and each of them fall through a separate trap door to the garage. Yeah, which it, the trap doors are interesting because they all have headshots along the walls where their individual trap door sits. And then Frisket's trap door is on the animal print rug. And then Mike's trapdoor is over where the TV is. And I'm just like, Fong, what is this thing you have constructed here? <laughs> well, because they all go to the same place, too. <laughs> yeah, they just go down their tubes to the garage, which they could have walked to. And that's where they have to say their catchphrases in order to summon their vehicles. I love how bored Bob and Mike are with this, though. They're, like, totally not on board. <laughs> no, they're not. This is ridiculous. Okay, let's do it. Black Beetle Turbo Pinscher Force. <laughs> but at any rate, yeah, the vehicles materialize around them, and they drive slash fly off, as Fong explains that they all need to form together into one giant robot to fight Nullzilla. So why did they need the separate vehicles at all? Couldn't they have started with the robot? That's what I was thinking! <laughs> Like they they don't do anything in the vehicle separately. Like no. as soon as they as soon as they launched, it's okay time to combine. <laughs> and then they try and do a combining where they just kind of stand next to each other. And Bob's like, no 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 no, you've got to say you've got to say the thing. It's really important that you say the thing. This is great because once they do, once they do turn into the robot, it's just a robot. Like there's no bug characteristics. No, to there's it. not. It's just Voltron. <laughs> like, this whole this whole ordeal is just to do a Voltron gag, and then they're not even like operating different parts of it. They're all just together, sitting on chairs in the stomach. Yeah, and they can't quite figure out how it works yet. <laughs> they're pressing buttons, and the leg is lifting up, and. <laughs> And then we get this uh, funny shot of a bunch of binomes running away from Nullzilla in front of like this grainy, obviously projected movie screen. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. That was a, <laughs> that was a cute little cue. Like, there's no reason for that to be there, but it is funny. <laughs> we even get Nullzilla smashing down its, uh, its foot onto poor Hack and Slash as they search frantically for nibbles. Bob Bot tries to stop it before it crushes his apartment, and he throws a punch, but his fist just gets stuck inside the beast and comes out all limp-wristed. <laughs> So that's when they have to do the sucker punch, which is pretty much just punching it some more until they actually manage to hit it and destroy Bob's apartment in the process. Yeah, the, the bill, he was just trying to save it from doing that. <laughs> and then the monster gets up and spits the eight ball right out at Bob's feet, who then kicks it right back at him. And like, there seems to be some discrepancy as to what types of hits that the beast can absorb and which ones knock it over. So we learned earlier uh, when they were sitting in Fong's office before they got uniformed up, that nulls are immune to physical damage, which I guess is why null juggling is okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't feel pain. <laughs> That's kind of all they do here is Fong's just like, I've got the perfect idea. Why don't we just punch it with a giant robot? And I'm just like, wouldn't that be physical damage? No? Okay. I mean, they didn't have to include that line, you know, <laughs> establishing that. <laughs> yeah, they specifically established it and then punched it with a giant robot. So. <laughs> also, how many other people's apartments did you just destroy, Bob? A lot. But anyways, Fong tells them to go ahead and use the matic, my son. They're like, what? The, 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 the who now? The what? The use the disruptomatic. What disruptomatic? He's like, the disruptomatic. He's like, we, we didn't get one of those. It's sitting.
sitting there, still behind the glass, in case of giant null monster threatening city, break glass. Yeah, he has that, like, oh crap, I left the oven on moment, you know, when he realizes he didn't send that with them. <laughs> so he sends Andrea to go pilot the giant Destructomatic, uh, which actually looks like a giant axe, uh, specifically kind of the scythe from season seven of Buffy. <laughs> she gets her own little bug mask. She scoots on over, landing perfectly in the robot's arms, and Bob starts to immediately give her directions up to the chest, and she's already there. I, I like that like Bob and Co. are getting stomped on by the monster at this point, too. <laughs> yeah, so they I I'm not a like wrestling fan, but I'm fairly certain I saw legit wrestling moves in this whole like fight that was going back and forth between the two of them. Yeah, and, and she's like you said, when she arrives, like I'm still baffled by why anybody else needs to be inside the robot. Like they're all just sitting there. Like it could just be Bob in there and it wouldn't matter. This episode definitely took a weird turn. So they grab the axe and it starts rotating around really fast and they stick it inside the monster like a hand mixer in a meatloaf, you know? <laughs> just exactly. Nulls and blobs start flying out of it until they're left with a fixed hex. Yeah. Leaving everyone to wonder where the Venom symbiote went off to. Speaking of, where's Nibbles again? Well, he's uh, he's returning back to his crib. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Megabyte's dad. Ah, there you are, father. <laughs> Apparently, I fucking knew it. <laughs> and he's like, where the hell are Hack and Slash anyway? <laughs> well, Hack and Slash aren't there, but the symbiote is attacking Megabyte and giving him symbiote powers. Now we are Venom. <laughs> and we cut to black with an ominous ending. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that one uh, kind of surprised me because I wasn't expecting the like uh, cliffhanger kind of thing. Yeah, we're we're going straight into this four-parter. And I guess four-parter's kind of a misnomer. It's not like you would have to watch it all together. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, the threads are continuing much more obviously than they have previously. You know what? I just realized they introduced this whole thing about, like, restoring the nulls by using the games that they were lost in. And that never came back up. Uh, well, not in this episode, no. I think they're definitely setting it up to come into play for later. But like, if you didn't see this episode, then you may not understand if they go do that. <laughs> it, was, it was interestingly said, but yes. <laughs> All right. So what did you think of Nullzilla? This was an interesting one. Uh, it had a lot of fun moments and some strange ones. Overall, I guess I enjoyed it. I'm still not sold on Andrea, though. Sorry. <laughs> She was the worst part of the episode for me. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this episode. <laughs> so this is actually the first part of the four-part season finale. So, you know, we're threading some serious stuff here, and it starts off like that, you know. It starts off with Hex screaming in pain as this thing from the web comes and attacks her and turns her into Venom. And you have, like, you have this idea of what's going to happen, or, you know, not what's going to happen, the feeling of... of of where they're going here. And then the second half of the episode is just like, actually, you know what? We're just going to play around with Power Rangers if that's okay. <laughs> this whole thing, like Fong, I don't understand Fong at all. <laughs> I think Dot runs the show and Fong just comes up with weird Power Rangers fan fiction. Well, he designed a robot last time. <laughs> Apparently this was his robot. Yeah, that's true. Oh man, if this was going to be Enzo's robot friend. <laughs> Fox is over there designing robots this whole time hoping maybe some situation will come up where a giant null monster attacks 
I'm surprised that Hex didn't have more to do except just to scream in terror. Like, we, we never got to see her inside the Null exosuit to see what she was doing on the inside. Yeah, we got no Hex moments. It felt so confusing of an episode. It was like whiplash. I think I, overall I liked it, but I found myself more entertained once again by the binome cutaways than the plot itself. <laughs> I, I kind of don't blame you on this one. So, I mean, it wasn't a bad episode. There's definitely great parts about it. Certain individual, like, jokes, like, really landed well for me. It was just the, the overall, I felt like I didn't know what I was supposed to be feeling. Just, uh, you know, sit back and enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Alphanumeric! So, do we have any trivia, any bits and bites this week? Of course. So, Nullzilla is obviously a play on Godzilla. Uh, we even get that nice little cutaway that you mentioned with the grainy film filter that's uh, an obvious reference to the actual film Godzilla. We get the Bride of Frankenstein movie, complete with, it's alive! Or, sorry, he's compiling! <laughs> we get a very obvious Venom reference. So in Spider-Man Secret Wars, Spider-Man came back with a little alien guy that turned his suit all black uh, with a white symbol and ended up giving him eventually a long tongue and, and giant sharp teeth and, you know, kind of a bad guy there. Uh, so we get to see an all black megabyte and hex complete with long tongue and uh, annoyingly sharp teeth. <laughs> we get both a little obscure reference and a direct reference to Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So we get the, you know, an actual looking glass of which there are things beyond it. Uh, and then we get Mike making the reference later on. <laughs> when the gang is trying to restore the nulls, Dot tries a procedure number 9508, which is the episode's production number. They do like sticking that in there every now and then. Uh, so we get Fong uh, leading them over to his very secret project. And to do that, he has to give the password FAB which is the phrase used in the British 1966 motion picture, Thunderbirds are go. Oh, that's from Thunder. Okay, I, I, I figured it was something, like, I was like, why is he saying F-A-B? Yeah, the little uh, wood-paneled 70s, or I guess in this case 60s, uh, office he was in was also modeled after the Thunderbirds, so. Yeah, I just thought he was, like, going, like, fab. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it's the Fab Five makeover time. <laughs> Everyone gets a uniform. <laughs> And we also get him calling Enzo Grasshopper, uh, which is a reference to Kung Fu, where Kwai Chang is referred to as Grasshopper. And again, no reason for them to be bugs. Like <laughs> No reason for them to be bugs. <laughs> so I'm going to switch it up this week and I'm going to talk about the game. But Ben, we didn't have a game this week. <laughs> that was a spot on impression, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> So this episode actually reminded me a lot of a game that came out in 2008. It's a platform puzzle video game called The Blob. The Blob. Yeah, so basically, like, you start out like you're this little round blob character that kind of um, goes around a city, and the city has been taken over by this hostile force who hates color. And uh, so basically everything's turned gray and dull, and your job is to paint the town. So, like, you kind of go around like as you move around the city every building you touch turns into various colors i feel like that would have worked well for last week's episode too or not at last week's when was the painting one? Oh yeah painted windows yeah yeah it does kind of go along with that one too <laughs> but as i was thinking about that with the blob monster that was like made up of all these different like colored nulls 
I was reminded of these characters in the game. These, uh, they're called Gradians, and they are basically binomes. They're like these little tiny characters with like one eye, and like they move around. They're kind of like little funny guys. And <laughs> yeah, so like as you go through the, the city, you're like turning them back into color, and um, there's these bad guys that are like very inky black. So this one kind of relevant to this episode, like this inky black substance that uh, is bad if you touch it. <laughs> Yeah, so like you know, just basically that's the, that's the whole concept of the game is you get bigger and bigger, and you're basically spreading color all over the town, trying to defeat the evil forces. And there's even this team of characters called the Color Underground, and it's just these various colored, basically friends of yours that kind of help you out and give you missions. And they, you know, just kind of reminiscent of that whole like you know Bob Dot and Enzo kind of like team of friends that are colorful, you know. <laughs> So it's definitely not like a, you know, classic retro game, but it uh, I thought it fit well with the, the theme of this one and that last one. Cool. Sounds fun. I would play it. <laughs> I have played it. Actually, there's a sequel called De Blob 2 as well, so I have both of them on the Wii. <laughs> this is wrong. This is all wrong. So in the course of watching today's episode, did you find yourself a Godzilla-sized frosty moment? <laughs> I don't know if it was Godzilla-sized, but I did have a couple of fun moments for me. So one, I really liked Mike's news reports. They worked well with the character as well as providing exposition of what was happening. So he's trying to fill the gang in on what happened with Hex and why there's a giant Nullzilla, but he does it in the fun news reporter voice and how he's he's named this thing Nullzilla. And I just thought it was really fun. <laughs> I want to say my frostiest moment for this episode, though, was them figuring out that the signal was coming from Lost Angles and Bob going, Megabyte! <laughs> Followed by Enzo going, uh, no, that that was, that would be Hex. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Did I say Megabyte? <laughs> he's not constantly on my mind at all i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> i really got a kick out of that moment for some reason uh my runner-up i guess would be that shot of the uh portrait on the wall of just like the goofiest grin that fong ever gave <laughs> <laughs> but uh my frosty moment has got to go towards the franken gnome and igor the uh, design on those were pretty great and then like the dr franken gnome's like eye kind of popping out as he talked in the beginning <laughs> I really like that scene a lot. <laughs> yeah, they had fun with that. That was good. So I put a call out on Twitter to see if anyone had any thoughts or questions about today's episode. Uh, so Nolan Hayes at It's My DeLorean on Twitter is loves that this is a Pacific Rim prequel. <laughs> <laughs> and wants to know if we're mecha people. Do we have a favorite giant robot show or anime or a favorite giant robot design? Um, For me... Not really. Uh, I, I'd say probably probably Pacific Rim would be the closest thing, but I haven't seen that in a few years, and the sequel didn't really do much for me, so I don't know. I still haven't seen the sequel yet. I really want to. I really enjoyed the first Pacific Rim. I wouldn't call myself a giant robot fan. I'm sure there's other people that, you know, really get into it, and so I'll just, you know, I would enjoy a giant robot fan. I enjoyed Pacific Rim. But though I do watch Voltron regularly, the new Netflix Voltron, and I really like it a lot. So I absolutely that's probably my favorite giant robot at the moment. You know what mine is? Probably the Iron Giant then. Oh yeah, Iron Giant. Well yeah, everyone loves Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great one. So uh what are we looking at next week? So next week we have season two, episode eight, Gigabyte. Gigabyte. So this is like Megabyte's grandpa, right? <laughs> so we're getting into some fun stuff here next week. If we thought that symbiote megabyte was gonna be the end of it. 
it's not. There's some deep stuff. And we also have a returning character. I'm excited. Let me guess. Is it Mouse? We've only had so many. So yes, it's Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think. You got Mouse or the Pirates. Which one are you going to pick? <laughs> it's that monk from Wizards and Warriors. <laughs> I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So, Ben, do you have any recommendations for today? I do. Uh, I don't think I've recommended this one in the past, but it's a podcast called The Truth, which is an anthology fiction series. So every episode is different, different uh, characters, different setting, different genres. And uh, it's uh, short fiction. Everything's usually under a half hour. And uh, they're just really, really great stories, really great acting, which is a big deal for me. And yeah, they kind of go all over the map. Some are horror, some are comedy, some are just drama, like a lot of, lot of Twilight Zone style episodes. And uh, it's a really interesting time. They've got a, a fairly decent backlog to go through. But yeah, so that's the truth. And if you're looking for it in the podcast art, it's got a pipe as the uh, cover art so oh that sounds interesting i'll take a look anthology fiction it's fun yeah if you're a fan of like the twilight zone and you like uh audio dramas then i think you'll be a fan all right sounds cool well you can always catch us online at the usual stops we're at uh, incoming game pod on twitter incoming game cast on facebook and incoming game and you can always find me online at at dudworks at the various medias and you can find me at stervino lady on also various medias Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. Okay, we want to thank uh, Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Spasmatica Polka. And until next week, I, uh, I'm i just going to have to dust out my uh, Bumblebee costume. <laughs> it's lost in the uh, in storage somewhere. Don't forget the magic words. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> all right, well, stay frosty, everybody. User wins. Oh man, I think I feel like that's gonna get edited down to just like five minutes. <laughs>